defeated. <clears throat> so, in our introduction there, uh, we've been looking at this idea of the Holy Spirit after talking about apostasy, after giving us all those uh, corporate examples of apostasy, after uh, giving us those individual examples of apostasy, after giving us those natural nature's example of apostasy, and uh, telling us, by the way, God tells us how it's going to turn out with apostates, in really in verses 14 and 15, the Lord is going to come, amen, He's going to return, and He is going to judge ungodliness. They're not going to have their say. They're going to be quiet, and God is going to judge them in righteousness and justice, and all God's people said, amen. And so after that, God takes the time, and He says, but ye, beloved, not the apostates, but ye, God's people, He says, number one, there on your sheet, be building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And we talked about that. We talked about how when we get saved, we lay the foundation of Jesus Christ. But then after that, it's up to us how we build. It's up to us what we build with. We can build with wood, hay, and stubble. Or we can build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And by the way, both of those materials are going to be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. God's going to try us and test us, not for our sins, but really, really, if you think about the judgment seat of Christ, and we've, we've mentioned this, it's obviously for our works, but it's about why we did what we did. Did we do it to be seen of men? That's wood, hay, and stubble. Did we do it because we loved Jesus and wanted to obey Him and wanted to please Him? That's gold, silver, and precious stones. So, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Last week, we talked about, uh, number two, praying in the Holy Ghost. So number, number two there, praying in the Holy Ghost. We, we went, of course, to Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And if we could put, put it this way in regards to praying in the Holy Ghost, let's make sure we're staying on praying ground. You know what that means? Keeping short accounts with God. Amen. Confessing sin and uh, asking. I think we, we closed our lesson last week with saying, when, when we pray, why don't we ask the Lord to lead us? Ask the Holy Spirit to bring people to mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring things to mind to pray about. Amen. And uh, He can certainly help us with that. Number three, uh, verse 21, uh, we have here, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So, Number one, we're to be building up our, ourselves in the most holy faith. We're to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Number three, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, this statement I uh, have on your, your lesson sheet here has been the victim of many theologians. <laughs> That's right, Tommy, amen. Uh, pulling it out of context to support the devilish, devilish doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints. You say, Pastor, I have no idea what that is. And that is simply, or those that are truly saved must keep themselves saved. This is false. Okay. You cannot keep yourself saved. No more than you could save yourself. See, there are people that teach Jesus Christ, Brother Hauser, makes the down payment, but it's up to us to keep up the installments. Well, that's, that's nice, but it's not going to work because I'm going to miss a payment or two. Huh? And then I'm in trouble 
Listen, uh, this idea here of keep yourselves in the love of God, uh, the, the perseverance of the saints, and what they do is they'll pull a verse out of Matthew 24 that says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Well, it's not talking about you and I. It's talking about during the tribulation period when people will have to endure to the end. People will have to refuse the mark, amen. But it's also way after the rapture of the church. And so, so important here. The Greek word translated to keep, and it's that word teros, meaning to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard, to keep one in the state in which he is. So this idea, this phrase, keep yourselves in the love of God, keeping oneself in the love of God is simply the other side of the coin of being kept by the power of God. Matter of fact, it says there in Jude, uh, I think it's verse number 24, if you look at it there, just a few verses down, it tells us about how God, it says, Now unto him that is able to what? Keep you from falling. We talked about it on Sunday in our Sunday night message. We were talking about uh, all the things that God has done for us. And, and uh, one of the things we said in there was that He secured us. And He said this. Remember what He said? He said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Do you realize you're in the middle of a two-hand divine sandwich? you got the, the hand of the Father and the hand of the Son, and you're secure in there. You can't keep yourself saved, and you don't have to. Now, by the way, just I said this on Sunday night, and I'll say it again. Just because you're eternally secure doesn't give you the right to live any way you want. Just the opposite. That's just the opposite. The fact that I'm eternally secure uh, means I want to serve God, the, the God that secures me. I want to love Him. I want to sin less, even though I'll never be sinless. So... Keeping oneself in the love of God is the other side of the coin of being kept by the power of God. Uh, let's do this. Go back to that verse there we give you. John 15. John 15. Verses 9 and 10. John chapter 15. And here he's telling us about keeping ourselves in the love of God. Not keeping ourselves saved, but keeping ourselves in the love of God. He says in John 15 verse 9, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And then what does he say? Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. So, praise the Lord. 
uh, we have a note here. Praise the Lord that we can never be outside of God's love. We give you the verses there in Romans 8, 38 and 30. I want you to go to these. I've quoted these a couple times within the last couple of weeks, but they are wonderful verses. If you mark your Bibles, I would highly recommend that you mark these two verses. These are uh, my wife's life verses. I remember asking her years ago, we were talking about this. I said, do you have a life verse, honey? She said, I have two. And I said, well, you can't have two. You can only have one. That, that's why they call it a life verse, amen? She said, well, these are my life verses. And that's, of course, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The moment that you receive the gift of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, you became secure kept by his power. Now, he tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God. So, praise the Lord, we can never be outside of God's love in our sonship. Blank line there, sonship, okay? Meaning, listen, my kids, or you could put it this way, parents, your kids are always going to be your kids, whether they're obedient or disobedient. And all God's people said, they're still your children, and listen, we're the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Some of us are obedient, some of us are disobedient. Some are spiritual, some are carnal. That does not disinherit us from sonship. So, praise the Lord, we can never be outside of God's love, Romans 8, 38 and 39, in our sonship. However, we can cease to enjoy God's love by being out of fellowship with him through sin. Okay? This is important. I want you to go to 1 John. We, we give you several verses there. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 1, and then we're going to look at the blank line there. I have a blank line for you. So 1 John, almost to the end of your Bibles there. 1 John chapter number 1. And this is such an important passage of Scripture. This 1 John... Uh, 1, 6 through 2, 2, really. Um, just such a great passage of Scripture. Are we there? Say amen. Okay. Uh, if we, verse 6 of 1 John 1, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say, I love this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Beware of that one that says, I'm past sinning. I, this, Brother Steve, this is the verse I want to show him. If he says, I'm past sin, well, here's a verse for you. And then it tells, gives us this wonderful verse in verse 9. Again, a verse you ought to memorize, a verse you ought to mark in your Bible. Such an important verse. If we confess our sin. You can't confess sin if you say you have no sin. But if you 
if you mess up and you fess up here, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you, you, you get out of fellowship with God. What does He say? Do Does He say, anathema, too bad, you're not saved anymore? He says, no, come back. Confess your sins to me. I'll cleanse them. I'll, I'll, I'll not only forgive you, but I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I like what it says, go on there, it says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin. I love that phraseology there. You know why? He, he says this, I'm writing this to you so you won't sin. Miss Desiree, but he says, but you will. Now, again, that doesn't mean you have to go off into gross sin. It just means God understands. God knows what we're made of. And he's made provisions for sin. That is to forgive sin. He, the next verse, it tells us he's the propitiation for our sins, the full payment, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So uh, blank line there, write down Revelation 2.4. Revelation 2.4, and that's only a couple pages over here. Revelation 2.4, and I'm going to hustle through point number four here. Re Revelation 2.4, what is that verse? It says this, uh, he says to the church at Ephesus, really to the pastor at Ephesus, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first, leaving your first love, is the opposite of keeping yourself in God's love. You say, what, what does it mean to keep? Stay in love with Jesus. That's what it means to keep yourself in the love of God. Just stay in love with Jesus. Confess sin. Read His Word. Spend time in prayer talking to Him. Just stay in love with Him. He's in love with you. We know that. Amen? Keep yourself in the love of God. Then lastly, number four tonight. Uh, so we're, we're building up ourselves on our most holy faith, number one. We're praying in the Holy Ghost, number two. We're to keep ourselves in the love of God, number three. Number four, we're to be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the end of verse 21 right there. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so I'm going to go through this quick. we got three minutes here. Believers are to be expectantly looking for the return of Christ. This is, this is my, my contention. I, I have friends uh, that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture, even a post-tribulation rapture. My contention to that is, how can you be looking forward to that when all of a sudden signs are going to start taking place and all this? Listen, right now it's our job to just be serving the Lord and expecting Him to come at any moment. God's mercy has been prominently on display during this dispensation of the church age. And that's simply this. What is mercy? Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Brother Anderson, when I look around at America and I see how she's going, I thank God for His mercy. I thank God for His mercy. It just absolutely the long-suffering mercy of God not giving us what we deserve. However... When he returns for his church at the rapture. That's the difference in the, the, the rapture and the return. In the rapture, he returns for his church. In the return, he returns with his church. 
When he returns for his church in the rapture, he will come and mercifully rescue his bride before he pours out his wrath. See, the tribulation period, if you read Revelation, I remember one of the worst mistakes I made in my life, in my spiritual life, was the first book of the Bible I read after I got saved was Revelation. That was a mistake. Ten crowns and seven horns and heads and all this 24 elders, and I had no idea what was going on. A lot of symbolism in Revelation, amen. But if you, you know, those of you that are students of Revelation, you know this, between Revelation 6 and Revelation 18 is a period known as the tribulation. It's the seven-year period. It's God's judgment upon an unbelieving world and upon unbelieving Israel, amen. And he is going to judge this earth. And the, the, the thing about it is the church, as we know it, the saved will be gone before that. Gone. Mercy. That, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to come and rescue his bride from the wrath to come. So he's going to mercifully, mercifully rescue his bride when he pours out his wrath, Revelation 6 through 18, upon and shakes the foundation of the earth. This is called the pre-tribulation rapture, the pre-tribulation rapture. That is Listen, God's going to come whisk his bride away from the, from the wrath to come, for the evil to come. And so, uh, praise the Lord. Hey, listen, let's...